0: Morning, church. All right. Um, today, I'm reading from one Corinthians chapter seven, uh, verse seventeen to thirty-five. Nevertheless, each person, each person, should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I laid down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. Do For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Now about virgins. I have no command from the Lord but I give a judgment as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now, on those, from now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord, but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs, her aim is to be devo- devoted to the lord in both body and spirit but a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world how she can please her husband i am saying this for your own good not to restrict you but that you may live in a way in a right way in in undivided devotion to the lord this is the word of the lord
1: thanks amy Uh, let's pray. Loving God, I thank you for this time this morning that we have together as as the family of God in this place and gathered in homes around our region. And God, uh, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we have access to it so freely and, and, and readily and and, and easily. Lord, help us not to take for granted what you want to say to us you know, through the scriptures by your Holy Spirit this morning and to and to uh, to open our hearts before you, that you would speak to us a, a rhema word, a personal word spoken deep into our spirit uh, that would draw us closer to you, that would place us more in your purpose for our lives, your call for our lives, that we would know uh, a greater uh, at, at a deeper level and have a revelation of your love, um, your, your call for us, uh, what you think about us, how you love us. And I pray, Lord, that you would use the words that I have this morning, uh, to that you would take them, and Holy Spirit, you would speak to each person here, including to myself. Pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. So, um, so there's a lot in this this passage, uh, a lot of uh, a lot going on behind the passage. And uh, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've dealt with some some big passages in uh, chapters five, six, and the beginning of seven, and. this week, I think I spent probably a little bit more time than I would have liked, trying to get my head behind and in, into the what, what was going on in the situation, and exactly what Paul's trying to speak into, and what's going on in the life of the Corinthians, which is sort of quite foreign to us in, in many ways. Um, but this this passage it sits within a discourse about marriage and about singleness and. Um, uh, sexuality. And and Paul's dealing with a bunch of questions and perspectives that they've been asking him. Remember, they've written to him and he's writing back to them. Um, And and as I said, these things, uh, these positions that they're holding for various reasons, they're quite foreign to us. When you unpack it, you go, man, that's very different to the way we think. But I want to try today and I guess take a bit of a different approach, and that is to get to the main point of everything that I think Paul's saying as quickly as as possible, so that we can think, can think about that in our own lives. Um, so, so quite to do this quite quickly. I mentioned last week the issue that that is going on. The primary thing here that some women in the community in the Corinthian church had begun to take a certain view of of marriage and their own spirituality, which which is. Uh, Kind of strange to us, but they, they then discount marriage and they're advocating for divorce. And, and the big issue was this. They saw certain approaches of uh, to marriage or, or celibacy as one as more appropriate and one as less appropriate. One as more kind of conformed to the spiritual status they'd now attained and the other as, as less. And so it was kind of this, this attitude of, as a believer, I should now dot, dot, dot. I should now be in this kind of status. Otherwise, I'm not experiencing the true reality of my salvation. I'm not, I'm not elevated to this, this status I have now in Christ. Um, and Paul has to very carefully navigate through this because he's a single man. And so they're probably going, well, Paul's single, so you know we should be like... Um, even though in other things they say, well, we shouldn't be like Paul. And, and But his reason for celibacy is very different to their reason. They're trying to say... Well, now that, now that we're saved, uh, there's certain things we must really have. There's certain things we should now be released from. There's certain things we should experience. And their reasoning is, is, as I said, it's weird to us. It's this first century Greek worldview which shapes their understanding and trying to be like the angels. And that, that shapes what marriage means somehow. Like, okay. But, but what's not foreign to us is, is living as a disciple of, of Jesus where we say we believe Jesus is absolutely sufficient. Jesus is, we have everything we need in Jesus. There's nothing we lack if we have Jesus. And yet, we still look elsewhere for fulfillment and for satisfaction. I think that experience, at least speaking for myself, is not foreign to us. And all through the section, there's this recurring line, it should be up on the screen, remain as you were when you were called. It comes, the language comes across in different ways, different times, but this is the essence of it, that he says a number of times. Remain as you were when you were called. Remain as you are when you were called. Why? Why, why does Paul say that? The main, I think and, and I believe and sense that the main point in what Paul's trying to say boils down to this. Christ is Enough. Christ is enough. So there was this song uh, that that Hillsong released. uh, I think it was about, some of you will know, maybe five or six years ago, maybe a bit longer, um, called Christ is Enough or Christ is Enough for Me. Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need. And um, the bridge was based on... That old song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, and which, which was inspired by missionaries who were martyred and didn't renounce Jesus in the faith even, face even of death. So this, this song, Christ, I would go to, uh, you know, I remember being at a Christian event or some kind of worship gathering, or maybe we sung it in, in Billabong, I can't really remember. Christ is enough, Christ is enough. and would be singing this song, Christ is enough for me, Christ is enough. And, and I'd be singing this, And thinking, is he? Now, don't get me wrong. It's like, yes, I believe it. Christ, Christ, you know, theologically, and I believe Christ is enough. It has everything. Everything I need is found in Jesus. But if so, why am I worried about this financial thing over here? this, this situation in this particular area. Christ is enough. Christ is enough for me. If so, why is this situation with these these people over here stressing me out? And if it doesn't work out, I'm going to feel as if something is wrong and, and I'm, I'm lacking. Now, clearly saying Christ is enough and and, and nothing else is, is really important other than him. He's enough for all things and all circumstances. Clearly this doesn't mean that you don't care about anything. Paul talks later in the, the this chapter about... The Lord's concerns, and, and and we we take on when we're in Christ, we we have the Lord's concerns on our heart. They become our concerns as well. But concern or anxiety or worry or care over something, because it has the potential to make me feel as if I'm lacking something, that it's not enough then if this doesn't happen or that doesn't work out, then this means Christ isn't enough. And I'd sing this song and, and, and Christ is enough for me every but would be thinking yeah but what if what if I wasn't married yet or maybe it was before I married and I was thinking you know or what if but what if I, I don't get married or, or 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 would I still believe this if I didn't have all the stuff I have Christ is enough Christ is enough and I think this is this is Paul's main point here those who are called to Christ have no need to seek a change in any relationship or any status or to to find something they don't have or or to be free from something that they feel they're bound to or, or whatever because belonging to Christ gives completely new meaning to whoever or whatever or however or whenever or wherever or whoever you are. Belonging to Christ gives completely new meaning to everything else. Christ himself is now enough. Another way to put this would be the gospel is sufficient. The gospel, the good news of Jesus making a way to God is is sufficient. It's enough. There is no question or challenge or problem in the world or in our lives that, that the gospel does not address. So... Let's talk about this for a second. I, I wonder if I can ask you this morning and have some people just shout out from where you're at, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And, and don't worry, I'm, this, is not a, this is not a test. Like if you answer the wrong thing, I'm going to mark that down and then be like, oh, that person needs to go to Bible college or something. Okay, no, that's not the point. I just, I just love to hear, like, because it's going to be expressed in different ways, what is the gospel? Just in a, in a, in a sentence. Yes, it's the good news. So the gospel means good news. So what is the good news then? What is, what is the gospel? What is the good news? Anyone? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, right. Let's do that again. David? It's the good news of Jesus. Yep. Any expansion on that? God is with us. That's good. He died and rose again. Yep. It's God's love poured out for us. The penalty of our sins has been paid, yep. Christ died for us, yeah. Yeah, Jackie. How to live a good life, your best the life God has intended for you, yeah. God offers sinful people eternal life. Okay. So there's there's a number of ways of expressing the gospel. Um Obviously, the problem with that question, what is the gospel, is that you can't actually boil it down to a few words, can you, into one sentence? It's just not possible, and not to do it justice anyway. I mean, in the scriptures, the gospel is described by Paul as the very power of God, not just something powerful, the power of God. Uh, It runs, the gospel runs all the way through the scriptures and it comes out in different ways with different facets. Um, The gospel is a story. The gospel is an invitation. The gospel is God's plan laid out. It's an event or a series of events centered around the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, The gospel is the most exciting and beautiful and wonderful thing that, that exists. Yeah, but what is the gospel? Well, you just can't answer it in a few words. But we must try. We must try and and begin to internalize it and, and know it and believe it and be able to express it so that it's sinking in, so that we really do believe that it is actually sufficient. Otherwise, what we will begin to do naturally is supplement Jesus, who, of course, is at the center of the good news, we can to supplement Jesus with things and relationships and statuses that do a lousy job in his place. Um, listen to the language that Paul gives to the good news, to the gospel in 1 Corinthians. Paul says uh, numerous times uh, that we're to remain as we are when God called us. Now, Paul talks about the gospel in a whole heap of different ways with different languages, but this is one of them. Um, when God called us. Called to what? Now, we we talk about, you know, I feel called to ministry. I feel called to be a teacher. Maybe I'm not called to that job anymore. God's calling me somewhere else. That's all very well, but that's not what we're talking about here. That's kind of secondary. The the thing that is being talked about here is, is highlighted in the first chapter of this letter. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9 says this. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, The gospel, the good news of, about Jesus, however it's communicated, whatever language or model or, or image is used, is about a way being made for us to come to God through Jesus. Interestingly here, it's kind of flipped that God has said, "You know, he has called you into fellowship with Jesus. Otherwise, Jesus has made a way for you to God. Of course, it's not two different things. Jesus is God, the embodiment of the triune God we worship and who loves us. The gospel is is, uh, this, this invitation. You have been called to him, into fellowship, into relationship with him. And because you've been called to fellowship with Jesus, nothing else is of any value to your identity, your worth or purpose or your fulfillment or satisfaction. You need... Nothing else now, which is what all the bits, other bits in the passage, this passage, are about. So, as we read through verses seventeen, I think to, to thirty-five, the, the main point coming out of the early part is that that that. To, to the Corinthians, that is, that Paul's making, is you don't need to be a certain kind of marital status to be a certain kind of spiritual or closeness to God or something. But then likewise, he uses other examples. Likewise, circumcision, this was about Jewish or non-Jewish, but that's of no relevance to your access to God now. Slave or free? Obviously, if you can become a free person should you be a slave, do it, because that's a good thing. But, but jesus if not, Jesus has made you free through your access to to God, If you have stuff, which all of us do, <laughs> great, that's fine. But, but it's passing away anyway. So how much of that you have is of no relevance. If you're considering marriage, well, look, basically weigh up the positives and negatives. Certainly in that context, and I'd say still today, there are both positive, you know, things to consider under certain circumstances. And whatever option means you, you can live in an undivided devotion to the Lord, do that. It's easy to read some parts of 1 Corinthians like this and, and think, man, Paul's big on rules. It's like, boom, 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 you know, you need to serve God, don't do this. It does, if it doesn't honor God, you behave in that way. But it's actually the Corinthians who are saying something more is needed beyond Jesus. That's, that's kind of their attitude. Something more, is something more is needed. Something else. Well, Paul's trying to communicate to them. And, and I believe... It's a message we need to hear and and internalize regularly is that all other things, all other people and and opportunities and statuses cannot provide what we are looking for. And if we go to them for the freedom that we crave, or if we go to them for the love we desire, or if we go to them for the joy that we seek, or, or for the purpose that we long for, or, or the meaning that we feel we need, they become an idol. And, of course, any lifeless idol has nothing to give us and will only disappoint. Uh, you may be wondering, what well, what gives us confidence? What gives us confidence that Christ is enough? Well, what, what Paul says in this, this passage is, brothers and sisters... The time is short. It's just a, almost a sort of a throwaway line. Um, the time is short. He, he talks more about this, this later in the, the letter, but he's, he's trying to get him to see whatever we experience in this life, it's but a blip in light of eternity. If you have been called to Christ, called into fellowship with Him, then then you will live forever with the One who has made you for one. Glorious purpose, not like Loki, not that kind of glorious purpose. One glorious purpose that went way over everyone's head. Sorry, just just backtrack like 10 seconds. Um, one purpose relationship with himself that is that is that that is our purpose. And so, in the meantime, every everything else need not have any power over me, need not give me any concern or anxiety or. One writer says it this way, being eschatological people, people whose, whose present is defined and shaped by what we see as the, the, the future that is coming, es, being eschatological people is to free us from the grip of the world and its values. Now, now this does not mean, and, and I've, I've been thinking back to the last, what is it, about six, seven, eight sermons now, and, and, and thinking no Maybe, maybe the impression has been given at times that it's like, we just need to remove ourselves from the world because it's evil. That can be the danger of, of, of living as a counterculture. We just go, well, let's just be completely different. Um, but of course, Paul says we need to be in the world, not of it. And, and so this, being freed from the grip of its world and its values means we can live side by side with it and not be consumed by it. But actually, shape the world around us. We are to live, like Doug Corsi's put up, our vision to be a thriving family, transforming communities with Jesus. What well, that starts, well, and not starts, part of that is, is, is to, to, to seek to transform the workplaces in which we're in, the neighbourhoods, the communities. We, as we are not gripped by the world and its values, but still live in it, begin to shape it for the better. We are to live. This the rest of the quote. We are to live as if not. That is, as fully in the world, but not controlled by its systems or values. I don't know about you, but when I let this sink in, it begins to feel incredibly freeing. It, it's it, I just this is what goes on in my mind. It's sort of like so. so you mean God? I don't have to worry about this stuff over here that's going on, these, these relationships and whether they work out and whether this, this project or thing is good. You mean, you, mean, you mean to say, God, that I don't have to worry about whether that's going to work out because if it's not really completely about devotion to you, which I'm made for and wired for above everything else, then whether it works out or not is not going to affect my, my worth and my value. No. No Luke, you do not need to worry about that. So so God this thing over here even though I'm I'm seeking to serve you in doing this you mean to say that if it doesn't happen the way I hope it will happen or or this thing doesn't fall into place that that it's it's I don't have to be defined by it no Luke you do not. You see what I mean? It becomes incredibly freeing when we believe Christ is enough and nothing else needs to supplement him. Now, if you're like me, there is one concern that you do have, and that is, well, what about the genuine cares and burdens of the Lord that the Lord has put on our hearts that, that might keep you up at night? And because th- there are those things. Like, you've been wired to care deeply for those who don't know Jesus and, and like, where your neighbours are at in that and how you can how you can bring the good news to them. It, 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 it worries you in a sense. It, it concerns you. Yeah. Genuine thing, or, or the the way you care for the poor and the marginalized because they're on God's heart, or the way you you want to see the church healthy and well because God cares for His people, and that's a genuine desire on the Lord that He's put on your heart. Like yes, all of that's important, but even those things can end up becoming idols because we believe we need something to work out in a certain way. Otherwise, we've failed and we've, we've fallen short and we're not good enough. And God will go, well, I'm disappointed in you. And so they become idols. We have, and it's be like the story of the elder son. Wasn't was, You know, didn't I serve you? Didn't I do this enough? It's like, well, actually, for us, the gospel is that everything you need is found already in Jesus. And out of that place, we can serve him. Not carefree in the sense that we don't care about anything, but free from anxiety and worry that if it doesn't work out, we will lack. And, and that's, that's all I have for today. Um, as I was preparing this this week, I was like, yeah, I want to get into some kind of like, so how do we practically move forward with this? But I think the reality is that what, what I want to leave us with today and what I, felt, I feel like this passage reminds us, in a a roundabout way, is that we, we need to internalize the gospel. Jesus has made a way himself, fully sufficient for us to be in relationship, in fellowship with God. He's done it. It's complete. There's nothing else needed. And whenever we begin to supplement that, we become slave to idols that return to us disappointment. But instead, if we go to him and go, Jesus, you are enough. All, everything I need is found in you. I don't need anything else. I don't need to change anything else. You are all I need. Then in that place, we're free. And so I just want to, I guess, finish this morning in, in prayer and maybe facilitate a short time of prayer to say, okay, God, there's stuff in our life where we've been going to other things other than you. So let's. Let's hand them over to the Lord, place them at his feet and then come to him in worship. Father, uh, I just want to give some space this morning for us to consider the things, uh, that, that the, the relationships, the circumstances, the, the, the projects, the challenges that we've gone to, to try and find our identity, our purpose, our meaning, our value, our status before you our status with, with with one another that have have indicated that we, we doubt that the gospel is enough. And Jesus, if we want to bring those things before you this morning, just in silence, laying them at your feet. Pray, Lord Jesus, that you would show us what to do with them practically that we wouldn't begin to trust in things other than you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would begin to pour out your love, the love of Father God upon each and every person in this room, myself included, and those watching online, um, to remind us of the unconditional love of God, to remind us of the gospel, uh, that there is nothing else needed other than the sacrifice, the death, and resurrection of Jesus for us to be in fellowship with a holy and loving God, the one who created us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are enough. What you have done is enough for us to have everything that we need because everything that we need is found in you, Lord Jesus. Everything that we need is found in relationship with you. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray you would come and you would begin to show us how we might live in some area of our life where we have have not believed this, in some area of our life where the gospel has not shaped our action or our speech or our, our stewardship of things. Come and show us what we ought to do with this in order to not just to please you, but to live a life free from the grip of the idols that we so often hold on to. And finally, Father, I pray for anybody in this room who who may be wondering what it looks like to become a follower of Jesus because it's not a choice they've made. Uh, Lord, that you would just reveal to them even now uh, the incredible love um, of Father God through Jesus Christ, that their sins can be exchanged completely for your righteousness to be in fellowship eternally with you. And I thank you uh, that you're drawing them in because you love them and you want freedom and salvation for them for eternity. In Jesus' name.